So we are moving through the book of Mark. We are in Mark 8. Next week we'll be in Mark 9. Just heads up, in two weeks, uh, we will not meet when it's Super Bowl Sunday. So um, some of you, we're, we're, most of it, we're just going to all get to enjoy the Super Bowl. You don't have to be, you know, there's not Tampa Bay fans in this room. It'll be great. You just get to enjoy it. There's no tension. The Bears certainly aren't in it. So, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, there's that other, oh yeah, there's, there's no, anyway. Christian, you guys have heard from Christian before. He is uh, one of our interns here. And I'm very excited to have him come share with you tonight. Let's welcome Christian Schmidt. <clears throat> Thanks, Tyler. So, it uh, feels really good to be back up here, getting the chance to teach at Chig, the Last time I, I did this, uh, I think I had been here for maybe three weeks, and I'm pretty sure none of you knew who I was at all. Uh, so it feels nice to, to get the chance to be back up here um, after being here for the last few months and getting the chance to get to know a lot more of you uh, more. And, and I'm just excited to, to get the chance to share a little bit about Mark chapter 8 with you guys today. Uh, but before we do that, before we look at the text, I want to talk a little bit about the topic of greatness. Okay, because greatness is something that our culture really gets behind, right? We see greatness and we're, we're drawn to it. We, we see people who have achieved great things and we, we look up to them, we're, right? They're role models to us and they inspire us. When we talk about people who have achieved great things, I don't think that there's a better example for us to talk about than the goat of all goats. Now, when I say goat, like I, some of you might not know what, what that means. So goat basically means greatest of all time. So when we talk about the goat of all goats, there's one person that stands out more than anyone. And where, where's Graham Conley at? Where, Graham, are you over there in that group? Graham, help tell the good people. Who, who's the goat? Tell them. Who, who is it? That's right. That's right. It's Michael Jordan. That's right. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, in Graham's defense, LeBron James, he's second. Okay, he's second. He's number two. Uh, I'll give you that. But, but he's not even close to Michael Jordan. All right, Michael Jordan is widely believed to be the greatest basketball player of all time. To, to list a few of his accomplishments, he, he was the rookie of the year. He's a five-time MVP. He's, he's a six-time NBA champion. And then he was the MVP of each of those final series. He's a defensive player of the year. He's got multiple scoring titles. He, he's done a lot in, in his NBA career. And, and to top all that off, he's also the star of arguably the greatest basketball movie of all time, Space Jam, which is based on the story of how Michael Jordan saved the Looney Tunes. He actually saved them by defeating the Monstars in a, in a catch-all in a grudge match basketball game. If you have not seen Space Jam, that's your homework for tonight. You need to, tonight, go home, watch Space Jam, all right? So that's just to name a few of his accomplishments, right? And while all those things are, are really impressive, I don't think it's his accomplishments that are the reason why people admire Michael Jordan as much as they do. Right? I think what people really admire about Michael Jordan is what he sacrificed to get to where he's at now. It's, it's what he sacrificed to achieve what he achieved. Right? It's the fact that, that he, his goal in life, uh, it consumed his thoughts and, and his life. Right? It's, it's the fact that, that he didn't make his high school basketball team, but, but he didn't stop. He didn't give up. He, he looked at the cost of greatness and knew what he had to, to, to do to get there. And, and he put in the work. He sacrificed what he needed to sacrifice so that the next year he went back and tried out for the team and, and made varsity. 
right? It's the fact that he spent 12 hours a day filming a movie and built a whole training complex across the street so that he could, and when he was done filming, he could train for basketball for five more additional hours in the same day. And in his recent documentary, The, the Last Dance, that, that came out, there's a, a famous uh, quote that Michael has uh, that, where he's talking about his killer instinct and how he would do whatever it took to win. And this is what he says. He says, that's who I am. That's how I play the game. And, and if you don't want to play that way, then don't play that way. And he said that right before he broke down and, and asked the cameras to, to turn off. Now, the reason why we're, we're bringing up this topic is because people look at the sacrifice that Michael Jordan made, and, and they're motivated by it, right? Like, we look at people who have who've achieved great things through great sacrifice, and, and we're inspired by it. And we say, I'm going to take that same level of sacrifice and apply it to my own thing, whether that's getting good grades or, or getting into a prestigious college or, or pursuing a career, right? We look at the cost of greatness as something to strive for. But I have a question that I want all of us to, to ask ourselves honestly tonight. Do we do the same thing for our faith, Right? Do we ever uh, uh, think about the sacrifice that we're called to have as followers of Jesus? Maybe a better question to ask is, are we willing to sacrifice what is necessary for us to be followers of Jesus? Right? Because I think a lot of times we don't even think about the cost of discipleship. Right? For a lot of people, they probably don't even realize that there is a cost of discipleship. Right? For a lot of people, our faith is something that we can put on the back burner of our lives where we can say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and, and I, I guess I believe in Jesus, and sometimes I, I go to church, but, but that's it. That's the extent of it, right? We never allow our faith to, to, to change us or to cost us anything or to force us to sacrifice any aspect of our lives. And in our text today, in, in Mark chapter 8, we're going to see Jesus calling a crowd to him, and he's going to tell them, listen, if, if you want to follow me, there is a price to pay. And that's what we're going to look at today. What is the cost of following Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to to Mark chapter 8. We're going to start off by reading uh, verse 34, and we'll work our way through uh, a few more of the texts as we we keep going. But but Mark 8, 34 says this, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And this is really the, the heart of our whole talk and, and message today, right? Because we're seeing Jesus call the crowd to him and say, listen, if you want to follow me, there's three things that you have to do. And the first thing that he says that we have to do is we have to deny ourselves, right? If we want to be disciples of Jesus, it is necessary that we deny ourselves. But, but you know, we don't really, like, use that word very often. Like, what, what does it mean to deny ourselves, I would say that a person who denies themselves is someone who gives up the old self and their sinful nature and chooses to live for God. So this includes, you know, giving up our, our sinful thoughts and, and our actions. So, so this means that when we're tempted to do something that we know is wrong, in, instead of doing that thing, we, we deny ourselves and put our trust in God. So, for example, uh, you know, when, when we're tempted to, to talk badly about the, the kid from school, we, we make a decision to, to not talk badly about people and talk about people behind their back. Or, or when we're tempted to drink or smoke at the, the party we're at, we, we make a choice to deny ourselves of the temptation and trust in God. Or, or even when we're tempted to, to have sex before marriage or, or watch porn, we, we deny ourselves of our desires and follow God. And this, is, uh, this part is, is really important. Um, we don't just deny ourselves because God says so. 
right? Like even if, if we didn't have a reason to it, like that would be enough. But, but there's a, a clear logical reason why we, we should want to deny ourselves, right? And why denying ourselves of our sin makes sense. We, we shouldn't gossip about people because it's, it's hurtful and it's not loving and we don't want people to do it to us, right? And we shouldn't abuse sub- substances because it's, it's illegal and it can lead to addiction and, and it can alter how we think in a negative way. And, and we should want to deny ourselves of sexual immorality because our body, it's, it's a temple and we should be cherishing it. We, we don't want to damage us, uh, ourselves you know, physically or, or emotionally or spiritually, so, so we don't just deny ourselves because Jesus says so. We, we do it because it's the right way to live and, and because we know that sin hurts us and, and separates us from God. And we know that the, the sin that tempts us in our life, like it might make us feel better for, for a day or, or a week or maybe even a, to, up to a year. But in the end, it's going to leave us feeling unfulfilled. And Jesus says that, that people who follow after him, they choose to deny all of those things and say, I want Jesus and, and I want him more than I want those other things. There's a, one example of this that, that stands out more than any others in, in my own life. Um, some of you might know this, but, but most of you probably don't. Um, when I was in high school, there was one thing that I wanted to do more than anything else, uh, and that was be in a rock band. Okay, I wanted to do this so bad. Like, every, it consumed my life. Everything I did, I did so that I could work towards achieving this goal. But around the time that I turned 19, um, God started working in, in my life in, in kind of a, a unique and special way. Um, I started to, to read read the Bible, and God was revealing himself to me through that. I, I started to experience God's mercy, and, and it really made me start to question uh, my, my life's goals and my passions, so much so that it made me start to pray and ask for guidance about, you know, if what I was doing was actually where God was calling me to go. And, and, and when I did that, it became really clear that, that the passions I was striving for was not at all where God was leading my life to go. And so after that, I, I had a really big decision to make, right? Like, like, and you have to understand that this was a hard thing for me to decide to do. Like, this is all I wanted to do from, from an age as, as young as I can remember. All of my time, my, my money, my resources were poured into achieving this goal. So, so every job that I worked was to make enough money to, to, to support my career. All my time was spent writing and, and practicing and marketing. I, I even spent a small portion of my life living homeless in Los Angeles, all to just achieve this goal. And now that I, I'm finally starting to see some payoff, I'm finally starting to see my sacrifice you know, lead to something, God's telling me to, to walk away from it. But I'll never forget the, the thing that, that convinced me to make the decisions and take the steps that I, that I did. Something came over to me where I clearly understood that, that God was telling me this. He, he said, look, you have done nothing for your whole life but follow after a dream for, for no reason other than for your own selfish desires and your own glory. But I have something so much bigger and better for your life. And, and it has nothing to do with you or your glory. It has everything to do with serving me and my kingdom. And in that moment, I, I made the decision to deny myself and follow Jesus. And within a week, I, I quit my band and, and, and devoted my life to learning more about God and figuring out where he was calling my life to go. And, and I want to make this point really clear. Jesus isn't telling us that, that we can't have dreams or goals in our life. Okay, he's not saying that we can't be rock stars or professional athletes or, or successful in the business world. Like, Jesus actually gives us a lot of our, our passions and gifts, and, and we should want to use them. There are plenty of examples of sincere followers of Jesus who have been able to, to pursue their dreams. 
So, so what this verse should actually be doing for us is helping us to reflect on our motivations in life. For me, I, I had to deny myself of this goal. It, it was causing me to live in sin, and, and I was living a life that wasn't honoring to God. But I was pursuing this goal to, to find fulfillment in my life apart from Jesus. And, and I can tell you, as someone who's been kind of on, on both sides now and looking back, I have never been more fulfilled in my whole life than, than I have been since you know, I made the decision to deny myself and follow Jesus. If I wouldn't have chosen to, to follow Jesus, then I wouldn't have the relationships that I have today. I, I wouldn't be married to my best friend in the entire world. I, I wouldn't know, have gotten the chance to meet some of the incredible guys that I've met in my life, like Luke and, and Josiah and Eric and, and so many others who, who hold me accountable and push me to be a better man. I, I, I wouldn't have had the chance to be here at Shig and get to be involved with so many of your guys' lives. And, and it's not just relationally either. If I didn't deny myself, then I wouldn't have the joy that I get from knowing Jesus and, and getting to pray to him and, and learn more about him and, and worship him. Right? If, if I wasn't following Jesus, then I wouldn't be forgiven of, of all my sins and, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't be working in my life daily to make me more like Christ. That was really close. Wow. Really glad that that didn't happen. If you don't believe me and you don't take my word for it, ask your small group leader tonight. Okay, pull Siler aside and ask him, ask any follower of Jesus, and they all will tell you the same thing, that following Jesus is worth the cost. Okay, so, so that's the first thing that Jesus says that we have to do if we're going to follow him. If we want to follow him, we have to be willing to deny ourselves. Uh, but there's a second thing that, that verse 34 goes into and uh, it tells us that we have to do. It says that we have to be willing to pick up our cross. And, and before we dive into to kind of what that, that means, uh, I want to clarify something for a second. We know that we are saved by, by nothing else and nothing less than Jesus' death on the cross. Right? We are only saved because of his crucifixion. There's nothing that, that any of us can do to make us more saved or, or less saved. We are saved exclusively through our faith in the cross. However, Jesus is also telling us here that our faith comes with a price. And that price is surrendering all aspects of our lives to him and being willing to pick up and carry our symbolic cross. I want to talk about uh, the, the cross uh, for a second and kind of explain what that means because uh, in Jesus' time, the cross represented something very different than what it does for us today, right? Because for us, the cross is a symbol of, of hope. We, we see it everywhere. We, we see it in churches and people wear necklaces of the cross. People get tattoos of the cross. Even non-believers wear the cross. But in Jesus' time, the cross represented death. It, it was the worst possible thing that could happen to someone because it was, it was slow and and brutal and, and, and humiliating. It was reserved for the, for the lowest people in society. And in Jesus' time, when, when you would be sentenced to death on a cross, part of your punishment was to actually have to carry your cross to the place where you would be put to death. And, and so people believe that for, in Jesus' case, he would have had to carry his cross, which was not light. It was, uh, would have weighed around 100 pounds. And, and he probably had to carry that about the length of six and a half football fields to get to the place where he would be crucified. Right? So uh, this idea of carrying our cross carries with it a lot of weight. And normally when we think about people who have to carry their cross, we, we'd be picturing a convict who, who's doing it, you know, they're having to do it against their will. No one's excited about carrying their cross. Like I said, this is the worst possible thing that can happen to someone because it involves a lot of suffering and, and, and shame, right? But, but Jesus is saying for us here that, that for his followers, we have a different approach, that we actually willingly take up our cross, right? We willingly take on the, the shame and the suffering that is associated with being followers of Jesus. 
And so when we talk about picking up our cross, I've got to make this clear that it's, it's not necessarily talking about the, the regular, normal hardships that everyone experiences in life, right? So like when, when our little brother and sister like won't leave us alone and, and they're annoying us, that's not an example of us carrying our cross. They're not bothering us because we're Christians. They're bothering us because they're our younger siblings, uh, or, or, for example, like, like Javon Wims dropping the, the best pass of Mitch Trubisky's whole career and causing the Bears to be eliminated from the playoffs, that's not an example of, of me picking up my cross. Listen, I watched it. All right, it was a tragedy, and I suffered through it. But, but I didn't suffer through that because I, I'm a Christian. Like, that's, that's just something that is unfortunate that happens to Bears fans every year, right? When Jesus is talking about us picking up our cross, he's exclusively talking about things and trials that come our way because we're following Jesus. For the crowd who who was physically there and listening to Jesus that day, picking up their cross literally meant that, that they might lose their life. Right? And, and that's still true today for some Christians, depending on you know, what, what part of the world that they live in. But for us here, picking up our cross probably means more of things like, like having awkward conversations occasionally with people who don't you know, believe the same thing that we believe. And it means that sometimes there's going to be tension when we engage with, with other people because we live in a culture that, that doesn't agree with our beliefs and, and views it as you know, uh, legalistic and strict and foolish. Right, for us, picking up our cross might mean that you know, maybe we, we lose friendships with people who don't believe what we believe, or it might mean that our reputation might take a hit. And, and I want to make this clear, but like, just because our lives aren't at stake, that doesn't mean that, that picking up our cross every day isn't hard. Right? It's, it's something that we have to work out and be willing to do and think about every day because it is hard. But what's really cool about this text is that Jesus doesn't stop there. Right? It's not like he says, all right, guys, uh, if you want to follow me, it's going to be really hard. It's not going to be fun. All right, let's pray. Let's go home. Good luck. Like he actually, like the, the next verses, the next four verses, Jesus goes on and gives us reasons why following him is worth the cost. So verse 35 gives us the first reason why Jesus says following him is worth it. Verse 35 says this, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And this is kind of like a, a part two to, to what we just talked about with like picking up our cross because it has to do with suffering. Um, but but it, it is kind of confusing. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's basically saying the only way to save our lives is to lose it. But if we try to save it, then we're going to lose it. Like, like Jesus, what are, you say, what are you telling us here? Like just, just speak clearly, please. Like we'll do whatever it is. Just tell us. And, and I think that really what this is getting at is our willingness to sacrifice our lives for the sake of the gospel. So to summarize this, I, I think that it's saying that if the way of Jesus is the most important thing in the world to us, then we will inherit eternal life. But on the flip side, if, if the way of Jesus is not the most important thing in the world to us, then, then we risk losing both Jesus and our lives. This is the first reason why following Jesus is worth it, because when we follow him, we receive eternal life. Verse 36 and, and 37 go on and give us a second reason why, why Jesus says following him is worth the cost. It says this, for, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And to, to help us understand this, I, I want to just imagine with me a, a scenario for a second. Imagine that you are brought into a room uh, and, and you, you get sat down and, and a guy comes out and he says, all right, I, I've got a proposition for you. All right, I'm going to give you everything that you've ever wanted in the world. 
Okay, whatever it is, what, what do you want? You name it. So, so what do you want? You want, you want money like that? That makes sense. Here's, here's a check for a billion dollars. It's, it's good. I'm going to sign it. Look at all those zeros. That's good. You can take that to the bank. You're a billionaire. Great. What else do you want? You want, you want success? You want, you want fame? Go check your Instagram, right? You have all the followers that you could ever want. Congratulations. You're now an influencer. What else? What, what kind of house do you want? You want the, the beach house or the mansion in, in the mountains? It's yours. You, you own the property now. Right? What, what kind of, who's your, who's, what about the man or woman of your dreams? Like, we've been following you around, right? I know it's weird, but we've been following you, and, and, and we know that you really like this person, so bring them out. They're here. We talk to them. They want to be with you. Great. You have the man or woman of your dreams now. What, what kind of car do you want? You want the, the Lambo or the, the Mercedes or, or the Rolls? They're parked out back. You've got all three of them. They're paid in full. Here's the keys. What, what, here's the full ride to the college you want to go to. Here's, you want the Bears or the Packers to win the Super Bowl? It's not going to happen this year, but, but next year. It's done. It's done. It's going to happen, right? And so you, you look around, and you're like, wow, I, I got all of this stuff. Like, I, there's nothing else in the world that I could possibly want. This is, this is a pretty good deal so far. So, so what do I have to do to, to, to get all this stuff? And the guy says, it's, it's not really that hard. All you have to do is drink this glass of poison. Right? It's not that much poison. Listen, it's going to kill you. You're not going to survive. You're definitely going to die, like, instantaneously. But, but you're going to get all this stuff. Like, it, it's a good deal, right? That's kind of what this text is getting at. What does it profit us to gain the world but lose our soul? How many in here would take that deal, right? None of us would take that deal. It's a bad deal, but, but this is the deal that so many people take on a daily basis when they choose to follow after other things more than Jesus. This is the second reason why Jesus says it's worth the cost of following him. Because he says everything else is worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus. Verse 38 goes on, and Jesus gives us the last reason why following him is worth the cost. He says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, uh, for this, uh, imagine with me a, a, another scenario. Uh, picture that it's, it's summer break, and you decide that you're going to go on a date with a boy or girl from school. Uh, so you go on this date, but, but you don't tell anyone. You don't tell your friends. You don't post about it. Um, and you go, and you actually have a great time, right? You have such a good time that you decide to go on, on more dates with this person. You start going on more and more dates, and, and you realize, like, you know what? I, I think that we should make this official. Like, we, we really click. We, we like this. This is, this is working out. But, and then summer break ends, and it's time to go back to school, and, and so you're dating. And, and again, no one knows this. Your friends don't know. You haven't posted about it. But you go back to school, and, and during first period, you're like, you get to walk together in the halls, and you're thinking, this is great. Like, I, I've been looking for my person, and, and I think this is it. Like, we, we, we laugh. We, we, we click. We're, this, is a, this is a good fit. But then second period comes around, and you have classes on, like, opposite ends of the school. So, so you don't get to walk together in, in the halls. But, but you're walking uh, back to your locker room, second period, and you overhear your girlfriend or boyfriend talking to their friends. And you hear their friends ask them, you're not actually dating that person, right? Like, like, please tell us you're not dating them. Like, we saw you walking with them during first period, and like, oh my, like, come on, like, you can't be, like, it's got to be a joke, right? And then you hear your boyfriend or girlfriend say, what? Me? No, I, I would never date that person, right? Like, listen, I'm, come on, I've got some standards. I, we hung out over summer a couple of times, but just as friends. Like, come on, guys, I've got some dignity. I would never date that person. That's what this text is saying. 
Right? That's what Jesus is saying to us. He says, look, if you are too embarrassed of me to be known as a Christian with your, your non-church friends and, and your, you know, your sports teams and your family or at your work, then I too will be too embarrassed of you. And, and this is the third reason why following Jesus is worth the cost. Because if we follow Jesus, he will stand up for us and defend us on judgment day. So uh, let's do a, a quick recap because we've, we've covered kind of quite, quite a bit in this uh, little section. Uh, we started off with verse 34 and talked about a couple of things that, that Jesus tells us that we have to do. Uh, if we're going to follow him, we, we have to deny ourselves and pick up our cross. And, and then we talked about some, some reasons why Jesus says following him is actually worth that cost. But if we go back to verse 34 and, and look, there's, there's actually a third thing that Jesus tells us we have to do if we're going to follow him. And so that's what I want to look at before we, we close with our time today. Verse 34 says this, If anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself, second, take up his cross, and third, follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him simply follow. And, and what does it mean to follow? It means to do Likewise, and, and full transparency, guys, like this is not really a fun text to, to teach on, okay? Because it's basically saying that as Christians, we're going to have hard times and go through trials and, and seasons of suffering all because of our faith. But, but Jesus isn't asking us to follow him and suffer just for the sake of suffering. He's asking us to follow him because he knows firsthand that it is worth it. It's worth the cost. Just look at what happened to Jesus. He, he suffered more than any of us will ever truly know when he was beaten and, and took on our sins and died on the cross. There will never be a greater sacrifice than Jesus. But, but Jesus also knew what his sacrifice would lead to. It, it led to him being raised to life three days later with a new eternal life where he could share equal glory and joy with God. This is why he asks us to follow him, so that, that we too can receive a new and better life. Right? He's, in, he's inviting us to do as he did, because even though it's hard and requires a great cost, whatever we lose along the way, he will more than make up for. And, and he's not just going to make up for it here on earth by giving us fulfillment and joy and peace and, and relationships and showing us the right way to live. He's also going to make up for it eternally when we join him in heaven. And that's the whole point of our text today. The cost of following Jesus is high, but it is worth it. Now, to go back to, to the beginning of, of our talk, we talked a little bit about Michael Jordan and, and his example. And, and for Michael Jordan, the, the price was high too, right? Like, he knew what it was going to cost for him to be great. And, and he sacrificed everything. He put all the time and the blood, sweat, and tears in, and, and he did it because he knew that it would pay off in the end. And, and it did. He, it led to multiple championships and money and status. And our faith isn't really a whole lot different than that. Right? Jesus tells us the cost. We, we know what we have to sacrifice. And if we do, we have the promise that it will lead to a gift greater than anything this world has to offer reconciliation to God, and intimacy with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this time. Thank you for Shig and, and the opportunity for us to dive into your word and, and in this, this strange and, and weird year. And uh, God, I pray for each of us as we, we go into our small groups today that, that we can uh, just uh, listen to each other well and, and encourage each other and, and push each other to, to talk about what the cost of following you looks like in our life. And, and I pray for each of us that we would realize that, that even though sometimes it, it is hard, 
that it is always worth it in the end, that you make it worth it. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.